Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to, to come together, Father, to worship you. Father, we ask now that you bless this group. Father, we ask you to bless this service. We lift it up to you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that everything done and said will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. So uh, uh, man and woman were waking up in the morning, and a woman was standing in front of the mirror trying on clothes, and her birthday was rapidly approaching. And the man said, well, what do you want for your birthday? And she smugly said, to be eight again. So the guy said, I can do that. So her birthday arrived. He got her up early in the morning, a big bowl of Cocoa Puffs cereal. Got her, took her to the amusement park, made her ride every ride there. On the way home, he got her a happy meal, took her to the movie theater, got her a big Coke and some Twizzlers and some M&Ms. And they walked back in the house after the whole thing and she says, oh, God, I feel terrible. And he was like, well, how did I do? And she said, what do you mean, how did you do? He said, you wanted to be eight again. She said, dress size. I wanted to be an eight again. <clears throat> I thought it was funny. <clears throat> I think the moral of that story is even if we're listening, we really ain't listening. <clears throat> All right, so we've, we've been going through... Um, Really, since Easter, we've been talking about the, the, the covenants and how the covenants changed and the old covenant passed away and the new covenant was established. And last week, we called it the old versus the new. And this is like old versus new 2.0 or this is the new new or whatever you want to call it. But most of the day, we're going to focus on the new covenant because that's really what matters, right? I mean, the old covenant, for historical reasons, we need to know, know and understand what it was and how it worked and why it was there. But it doesn't affect me. I've never been covered under the new covenant. I mean, the old covenant. I've never been covered under the old covenant. I wasn't a Jew. I wasn't under Moses. I wasn't under Abraham. It didn't really apply to me. I mean, it's good information to have, and it shows the character of God and who his people were and how they, were, how they acted and what they did. But really and truly, the new covenant is what matters to me, right? And once we become born again, we become part of the new covenant. So we're going to talk about what the benefits of the new covenant are in uh, we'll call new 2.0, okay? So, <clears throat> and Michael told me, you know, I said last week I wasn't going to finish and it was going to go to next week. And Michael said, you know, if you're a few minutes over, it's no big deal. You can keep going. I'm not sure I'm going to finish today. So I think y'all would have been mad at me if I'd have went till we got to the end of this, okay? So we're going to start in Hebrews. There's a bunch of scripture but I really want everybody to understand. Like, so when you're covered by a, a, a contract or a, or a covenant or whatever, right? I mean, like if you move into a new neighborhood and they have an HOA, it benefits you to know what the rules are, right? You could end up with fines because your trash can was at the road too long or whatever. If you live in them silly places where Sally and Lane live. Or if your boat is parked in the driveway too long. You know, if I had to live somewhere like that, I would be... Well, they would then already ask me to leave because I have all my stuff in the wrong spots anyway. But it, it benefits you to know what it says, right? To have to understand the contract. So Hebrews uh, chapter 8. Did I write down the wrong scripture? Um, and we'll say for verse 7. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I make a new covenant 
with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. And it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them from the, by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them. This covenant will be established with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, that I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So just a glimpse back in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, Every time they had to go in and make sacrifices to cover the sin of the people, right? But God says in the new covenant that when Jesus died for our sins, that he erases our sins from us. Now, this is not covering the sins, right? It, it's, <clears throat> all right, I'm not talking trash about any ladies. But if you have a, a, a beauty mark on your face and you cover it with makeup, did it go away? No, it's still there. Now, most folks might not can see it, right? Or if you're a man and you get you a nice hair piece, it doesn't, your baldness doesn't go away, but people might not know it's there, right? But it's covered. Now, if you get it removed, you don't have to worry about it if you wake up early in the morning or late at night or if you get in the swimming pool. It's not there anymore. It's gone. See, that's the difference. The old covenant covered it up. And then you had to live a certain way for it to remain covered. The new covenant removes it completely. Now, if you get it removed completely, it doesn't matter what you do. You can wash your face or swim in the pool or swim in the lake or whatever or sweat really good. And nobody can ever see that again. Why? Because it's been removed completely. So the new covenant removes our sins completely. It doesn't just cover them up. It doesn't make it okay for a period of time. It takes it away completely. All right? So... All of Hebrews, well, not all of Hebrews, Hebrews 8 and 9 really do a really good job. If you want to go back and read, this will be really good chapters to read if, you, if you're interested in what the covenant says. In, in the writer of Hebrews, which nobody knows who it is, uh, the older I get, I believe it's a woman. Maybe it's not. I mean, she's really, they, the writer is, is, is really compassionate. Um, but if you really want to get some information in this, Chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, and then 11, really some good information. But I'm going to do my best to pull it out. So chapter 9, verse 11, and, and what they're doing is, what the writer's doing is, is trying to compare the old covenant to the new covenant and how it works. So verse 11, but when Christ became the high priest of good things that are now already here, he went through a greater and more perfect tabernacle, right? So it talks about, it's still comparing the covenants that where, that when the old covenant was in place that the priest had to go in and offer blood for the covering of the sins. But when Jesus offered his blood, he went into a tabernacle not made by man's hands. He did not enter into the holy place that, that men had built. It did not enter into a holy place to where the Ark and the Covenant was. He entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven, and he laid down his blood to seal the covenant on the altar in heaven, right? And so once we get to here to where we understand that Jesus is the high priest, that when he died and when he was the sacrifice, uh, verse 15, for this reason Christ is the mediator of the new covenant for those who are called, many have received the promise of an internal inheritance. So that he died for our ransom, right? So once we get to the place to where we know that the new covenant is sealed by the blood of Christ, 
in the Holy of Holies, in a place that was not made by man's hands, then now you start talking about, well, how can I be part of it? Right? So when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we automatically become part of the new covenant. And the benefits of the new covenant outweigh the old covenant so much that they're really not even comparable. I mean, the old covenant was pretty impressive. And the first thing that happened is, is when Jesus died on a tree, he, he redeemed us from the curse and gave us all of the blessings of Abraham, which was all of the blessings in the old covenant. Then we get all the extra stuff, okay? So, I'm going to try to go through all of this the best I know how, quick as I can to where we are trying to wrap it up today, possibly. Um, so, Romans 5, <clears throat> these are all the things that happen for us, right? So, Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. So, the first thing that happened was, is our sins were forgiven, right? They were covered up and remembered no more. The second thing we had happened was, we were justified through Christ. Through faith, we accepted Jesus as our Savior, and Jesus justified us. Now, Granddaddy used to like to say, justified means just if I had never sinned. It is, I am justified and righteous and holy and blameless. Not me, but because Christ gave me that opportunity. So, I am justified through the blood of Christ. All right? That's, that's a pretty good start, right? I mean, I, that's a pretty good, I, I'll take that. Uh, Romans 7, and, and, and it's a bunch of Romans, and, and I'm going to tell you, man, I, I, I told y'all before, if I preach a whole sermon and I don't go to Romans at least one time, I kind of worry about if I miss something. Uh, 7, <clears throat> uh, we'll say 7, 8, 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am an unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, that is what I do. And if we do what we, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Right? That's kind of confusing. As it is, it is no longer I myself. But it is sin living in me. Verse 18. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me, that it is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry out. For I do, not, I do what I do not want to do, but the evil I do not Man, I have messed that up bad. Y'all got it? Y'all reading it? Yeah, it's not doing good. 20. Now, if <laughs> I... It is no longer who I do, but it's the sin that lives inside of me. So he talks about how hard it is to live without sin in us. But when we submit ourselves to Christ, what we have is the knowledge to know that even if we fall short, even if we do what we don't want to do, as Paul so eloquently wrote and I so poorly read, even if we do what we don't want to do and we fall short in sin, we don't have to worry about the wrath of God coming down on us because we have been separated out from our sin. As that was poorly put together, but it is. It is a freedom from sin. And when Christ died for our sin, it was for the sin that we had committed before we were saved, as we were saved, and as we move forward through Christ. It is not a momentary, one-time removal. It is a constant flow of water of redeeming forgiveness that runs over us. 
as we sin today or tomorrow or next week or next year or five years ago or five years from now, our forgiveness is made whole, not from what we have done, but what from Jesus had done. All right. Verse uh, chapter eight, verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We have been set free from it. Now, if you have been locked up in jail and they set you free, I bet you don't continue to walk back by and look at the jail and go, y'all still good or y'all want me to come back? Y'all think that's the case? You think there's ever been a prisoner that said, man, I bet they miss me in there. You think I should go live in that jail some more? I don't think so. I don't know. I've never been to jail before, but I can't imagine it would be a good idea to want to go back. However, Christians, as we live in the condemnation of sin, and we've been set free from the condemnation of sin, says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We continue to go back and check on our condemnation to make sure it's still doing okay. We are set free from sin. We are set free from that condemnation. And yet we still have to remind ourselves, that's not my condemnation anymore. Yes, I've done some things that I'm not proud of. Yes, I've done some things that I shouldn't have done. But I've been set free from that. It's like going back and checking on jail, making sure it's still there. And it might just be me. Y'all might not revisit your sins in the past of mistakes that you've made and say, oh man, that was a bad mistake. Oh really? Well, did you ask for forgiveness? Have you moved on? And why do you keep going back and looking at it? We've been set free from condemnation. All right. Uh, verse 14. We'll stay in the chapter um, 8. Verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought you an adoptionship or a sonship that you cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, that we become children of God. So when we're talking about the new covenant... The new covenant does not make us servants, does not make us slaves, does not make us acquaintances, does not make us people that we might know. It makes us children of God. And on Mother's Day, I mean, we're thinking all a whole lot about our parents, but when we're in this situation, when we're talking about the new covenant, we're talking about Daddy God. The God who gave his only son to die for our sins on the cross. The God that has redeemed us from the curse. The God that has justified us. The God that has set us free from condemnation. And he made us a child of God. Now, <clears throat> as a parent of, of younger kids, right? I have lots of kids that are their friends. And man, I like their friends. They have good friends. My kids really have great Christian friends. And it's easy to like their friends. But when it comes down to it, I can care for their friends as much as I can. But at the bottom line, when my children have to come first. See, that's in the same boat we're in, right? God loved the world that he sent his, his son to be the Savior. But when the world turned their back on his son, he can only do so much for them. Until you become a child of God and then you're adopted in. And then once you're adopted in, man... It, you're part of the family. My mom and daddy can be proud of me or not proud of me, and they can do whatever the heck they want to. But no matter as long as they live and as long as I live, I'm still part of the family. 
right? I mean, some of y'all's got siblings that you wish wasn't. I get it. I understand. I don't. I have two great siblings. I'm very blessed. I, I, I talked to a gentleman last night. I uh, was talking about growing up in foster care, and, and some of the stories he told blew my mind. Exceptionally talented guy, very successful. You'd never know where he came from. And me and Dr. Bill were talking about it this morning, and he said, you know, it's almost like if you grew up in a normal family with two parents, you're so far ahead of the rest of the world. And it really is. We really are <coughs> so very blessed to have our parents, to have what we have. But when we can say that I'm a child of the Most High God, and, and, and you know, <laughs> the Bible says that you being, you know, evil, think you give your children good gifts, Right? Right? How much more will God give to us? So when we are adopted into this, when we have part of the covenant that we grab a hold to, we are here, and we are children of God, and we should live accordingly. Right? My Father in heaven has many mansions, and the inheritance is great. I should walk around with that. All right. So... Uh, Forgiven, justified, set free, no condemnation, adopted. Um, we still Romans eight, verse thirty-seven. <clears throat> Anybody know what thirty-seven says? Now in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. <clears throat> more than conquerors. Now let me tell you, if you told somebody, man, you're a conqueror. You can go conquer anything you want to conquer. You can face any tribulation. You can face any kind of trial, and you're going to conquer it. That is a pretty good statement. That is what winners are made to do, right? We conquer. But that says that we are more than conquerors. I don't know how you get to there. That's like winning and then winning some more, right? We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We were sent into the world, and we are overcoming, not because of what we've done, but what he's done for us. And when we, you ever seen somebody that was like extremely talented or had all the stuff going for them, and they walk around pitiful and miserable? Y'all haven't, I, I got a couple of softball players that did just extremely talented I mean, unbelievable talent. And they walk around like they lost their best friend, and I, I just don't comprehend it. But I see Christians doing the same thing, that we walk around in a defeated, busted, broke mentality, right? Oh, woe is me. What's Riley? Riley loves this. The, oh, I'm an old, wormly servant of the Lord. I mean, you know, y'all remember all of that. Oh, just, Lord, please shine on me, your poor, pitiful servant. I'm not. I am a child, and I'm a more than a conqueror. He has set me free from all of that condemnation and all the stuff that comes with it. I'm not a pitiful servant. I was a sinner. Now I'm saved by grace. I don't live in that world anymore. I've been adopted and brought out. The covenant says I don't got to play like that anymore. That was the old deal. I'm part of the new deal. And the new deal says that I'm more than conquerors. All right. <clears throat> now... We're going to go real far in this one. Verse 38, right? We went verse 37, verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height 
nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. So not only am I adopted in and redeemed and bought back, it's permanent. It don't go away. There's no expiration date on it. I don't have to behave to somebody's standard to make, me, make you think that I'm a good Christian. God loved me just the way I was. He built me just like I am. And I know that Jesus lives on the inside of me and all of these things belong to me because that's what his word says. And if the covenant is mine, then there's nothing that can separate me from the covenant. Nothing. Nothing. Zero. I mean, that's a pretty good list, right? Present, future, powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation. I think anything else in all creation kind of gets it, right? I mean, in all of creation? Because if you think about creation... I mean, you can think about the piece of dirt we're standing on and then zoom out a little bit and see the, you know, county, state, country, continent, seven continents, planet, and then all them other planets too, and all the stars and all the stuff. And so if nothing in all of creation can separate me from the love of God, why do I care what your opinion says? If I live in no condemnation, why do I care what the world has to say about me? If I know I have been set free from the curse, if I know that I am adopted into the family, if I know that I am set above and not below, that I have all of the blessings of Abraham, that I have been redeemed, that I am righteous, why do I care what the world says about me? Who do you think you are? (laughs) I'll tell you. I am a child of the living God. Because that's what his word says. Because that's what his covenant says. Well, what makes you special? Jesus, nothing else other than I have, what does that thing say? What does Hosea say? That my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So, if you walk out of here today with no knowledge of the new covenant, then shame on you. You should have been listening instead of playing solitaire, free sale, or whatever you do it on your phone. You should have been listening. Daydreaming about what you're eating for lunch, or what, you know, you should have bought mama for Mother's Day, or whatever else. Or what your kids should have done for Mother's Day. I should be in the Bahamas right now on a cruise because it's Mother's Day. But you ain't. You're here. So you better understand that the covenant of God belongs to you. It is yours. He didn't write it for somebody else. It's not for a different time. It's not for a different generation. It belongs to you. It says, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that you should not perish, that you have eternal life. And when the old covenant was destroyed and the new covenant was written, it was written with my name on it. Not because of what I've done, but what Jesus did for me. So then we ought to act like it. Right? I mean, if we have this covenant, we should act like it belongs to us. Because it does. Because nothing will separate us from the love of God. All right? I think we're actually going to change chapters here for a minute. All right, 2 Corinthians. Oop, too far. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 21. And God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we become the righteousness of God. 
that we are in the right standing with God. Because Jesus took on our sins and fulfilled my part of the bargain, that he paid for my penalty and your penalty through death and hell, that we became the righteousness of God. To understand what righteous is, is baffling. It, it is to be in right standing, 100% in line with what God's word says, to be righteous. And Jesus gave it to us as a gift, that he took my sin, that I become the righteousness of God. All right, Ephesians, we're getting close. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. We're going to make it today. Might be a little barrage at the end, but we're going to make it. Ephesians chapter 3. Um, 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 um. I don't want to read that one. Um, chapter 3, verse 12. In him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged. And it's Paul talking about his sufferings, right? So we have the freedom to approach God at any point in time. Now think about it. In the old covenant, to be in the presence of God, to be in the presence of God, you had to be a priest. You had to be the high priest. You had to have a blood offering. You had to dress appropriately, wash appropriately, and be exactly by the letter of the law covered by the blood of the sacrifice. Just to enter into the presence of God. What nobody else. You can walk up and go, hey, I want to go in God, the presence of God today. All right, cool, well, you're going to die. That's what's going to happen. Because you are not righteous, right? You cannot approach God under the old covenant. There was no approaching God under the old covenant. Under the new covenant, we are free. What does it say? With freedom and confidence that we can approach God. That we can be in his presence. That we can communicate with him. That we can fellowship with him. That we have a relationship with him. That we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of words in the English language that, you know, it might make you upset or mad or, you know, create some kind of emotional reaction. But for me, and it's not Father's Day, it's Mother's Day, I get it. For me, the word daddy is probably one of them. Because one of those three little heifers over there come over there and go, daddy. And then I want to do whatever they want to do, whatever that is. And they know it. They abuse me. I mean, right? Oh, da daddy, can you please? Um, yeah, whatever that is. That word, that word just sparked something on the inside of me that absolutely, sweetheart, I want to do it. Daddy, will you miss the hunt week this year and take me to play softball games? Absolutely. I would love to. That's, it don't even make sense coming out of my mouth, but I've done it. Daddy. But we have that opportunity to go to God and say, Daddy, I need help. I need guidance. I need wisdom. I need healing. You, you ever went there and said, Daddy, and he didn't do it? <clears throat> All right, I got to wrap them up. 
So, real quick, I'm going to go through 10 or 15 scriptures. I'm just going to read the scripture and read the thing. And if you want to take notes, then you can pause it and get it later. Romans 3.24, we are justified through Christ. Romans 8.1, we are no condemnation. Romans 8.2, we are set free from the law of sin and death. 1 Corinthians 1.2, we are sanctified and made holy through Christ. Rome, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.3, we are righteous and holy in Christ. 1 Corinthians 5.22, we have been made alive at the resurrection. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are new creations. 2 Corinthians 5.21, we have been made the righteousness of God. Galatians 3.28, we are one with Christ and all believers. Ephesians 1.3, we are blessed in every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1.4, we are homely, holy and blameless. Ephesians 1, 5, and 6, and Romans, we are adopted as God's children. Ephesians 1, 7, our sins have been taken away, forgiven, and forgotten. Ephesians 1, 10, we have been brought under Christ's authority. Ephesians 1, 13, we are identified as belonging to God by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 6, we have been raised up to sit with Christ in heavenly realms. Ephesians 2, 10, we are God's handwork. Ephesians 2.13, we have been brought near to God into his presence. Ephesians 3.6, we share the promises of the blessings through Christ. Ephesians 5.29, we are members of the body of Christ in the church, which is the bride of Christ. Colossians 2.10, we are made complete with Christ. Colossians 2.11, we have been set free from our sinful nature through Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.10, we have eternal glory in heaven with Christ Jesus. That's what the new covenant means to you. And if you can listen to that list and feel like you are broke and busted, come up, I need to pray for you. It should empower us as Christians to understand what God has done for us. It should set us on a course to where we are looking to change the world. Not by doing anything crazy, except for helping other people understand what the covenant means to them. Helping people understand what their identity as a Christian is. And I know that because we say we preach the gospel, which is the good news of grace and love and kindness, that we feel like we have to be meek and humble. But it's coming a time that the church of God has got to stand up and say, we are bold. We are the righteousness of Christ. We are standing as the bride of Christ as he comes back to the church. The time for being busted and broke and upset is past. We have to start to identify with who we are in Christ. And what the covenant means to us. And what we mean to the world. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word, Father. We thank you for everything that you've done for us, Father. We thank you for the new covenant, Father, that it has been set forth in front of us. And we just give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.